great to be with you all this morning. If you could turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're not going to read it just now because that's what we just had on the video. But uh, our verses for today are verses 27 to 42. And uh, I know you've been doing a series on John. And that last week you looked at this Sumerian woman who met with Jesus and had a really interesting conversation with her about living water. Because Jesus said, I can give you real water. I can give you something which really satisfies. And that's what Cheyenne was also talking to us about. He said, what did he say? I said, I was empty. I found real peace. He found living water. So in our passage this morning, what happens? Jesus is talking to this woman and his disciples return. And his disciples, they'd gone off to buy food because they were tired, it says. They were really tired from the journey. And obviously they were hungry as well. So they'd gone off to buy food. And they come back and they, Jesus is talking with this woman and they think, what's he doing? Why? Because she was a Samaritan. They didn't talk to Samaritans, or at least they didn't use their dishes and ask them for water. She was a woman. This rabbi person shouldn't have been doing that either. So they were all a bit shocked. Meanwhile, the Samaritan woman, she leaves her water jug, rushes off to the village, and tells them all about Jesus. Then the disciples, well, they are saying... You're not going to have something to eat, Jesus. And he said, no, I've had my food. And they're going, what? Where did he get food from? What's he talking about? And then Jesus starts talking about my food is to do with the will of the Father. And then he starts talking about the harvest. He says, look, look at the harvest. It's coming. And what's coming at that moment when Jesus says, lift your eyes and look at the harvest? It's this whole town of Samaritans because they're running to come and meet with Jesus because of what this woman has said. So that's the passage that we're looking at this morning. Uh, And I'd like us to just start by looking at at the end of it. Um, Verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. Can you imagine this one woman, because of this one woman, a whole town came running and believed in Jesus. That's pretty wonderful. And you know, you could be that person. Because she wasn't. But what wasn't she? I mean, she was somebody from... She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't knowledgeable. She wasn't the expected person. In fact, you know, she, she wasn't even sure of her facts. Do you know what she said? She said um, in verse 37, I think it is. Ah, no, it's verse 29. When she goes to the village, um, Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? 
You know, she's not even that sure. She certainly not has a great big knowledge about Jesus. So don't discount yourself. She had a sort of dodgy past. She wasn't from the expected type of person, and she didn't even know a lot. But what, what happened to her? She had tasted that living water. And I'm forgetting totally my clicker. I don't know if I like these things or not. But um, It's not because of who she was. It's not because of what she knew. But it is because of what she had. And what did she have? She had an encounter with Jesus. And if you've met Jesus... And of course, we want to meet him again and again. We want to know him more and more. But if you've just started to get to know him, like Cheyenne, I'm so amazed that um, you'll see later why I'm so amazed that we had Cheyenne this morning. But uh, he knows something of that peace. If you know something of that peace, you can be that person who brings a whole town to Jesus. Or... She had the living water, and she had a testimony. And it's quite interesting, because she had just met with Jesus. And uh, I was thinking about it. It's not, there hadn't been time, really, for her to learn anything about Jesus. There hadn't been time for her lifestyle to change. But you know what I think changed? She had been at the well at midday. To get her water. Why? Because she was avoiding people. Remember she'd had five husbands. She was living with another guy. And she was, she was trying to avoid people. She was probably an outcast. And so this woman who's been invo- avoiding everybody. <laughs> what does she do? She runs and suddenly she's talking to everybody. I think that was a big testimony. That this woman who'd been hiding, she'd been hiding what she'd been, her lifestyle, what she'd been involved in. She'd been actually hiding by not talking to people. And then suddenly she's saying, hey, he told me all about me. He knows everything about me anyway. And he still accepts me. Isn't that the wonder of the gospel? Jesus said, yeah. He pointed out, he pointed out to her in her life things that needed to change. She'd been looking for satisfaction in the wrong places, yes. But he still welcomed her. He talked to her. And this was what the woman ran and shared with this whole town. Wow, he knows all about me. But he said, yeah, you, you can get the living water. And because of that, The whole village, they came running. And what about you? Do you have a testimony of an encounter with Jesus? I believe that we do. And maybe we somehow discount it. But unless you've never met with Jesus, you have that living water. And Jesus had promised her that it would wish up within. Wow. And the more we encounter Jesus, the more we drink of his living water, the more we'll automatically go and tell people about Jesus. And Jesus said, come, 
Whoever is thirsty, come and drink. And we, like that woman, we go looking in all sorts of other places and try and find satisfaction in this and satisfaction in that and in the next thing. And Jesus says, I have the living water. And the more we drink it, the more we'll be like this whole woman, bringing many people to know Jesus and have people coming running. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have people coming running into church next Sunday or running to whatever you're doing and saying, we heard that here there's something real. There's some real living water. And uh, so we've been talking about water. And uh, I know you talked about water last week, the real water that satisfies. But um, it's also interesting about food, isn't it? Jesus starts talking about food. Because remember, they had been hungry. He'd been really tired. And that's why his disciples went off to buy food. And they come back with the food. And Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What's that all about? They were still thinking physically, weren't they? Just like the woman, when Jesus said, I'll give you living water, she'd been thinking, oh, I'm going to get some new plumbing, I'm going to get a new water supply. The disciples, they were now thinking, well, food, you know, did somebody bring him food? Where did the food come from? They were thinking on the wrong level. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is saying, if, in other words, I do the will of the Father, that feeds me. So what does that mean? If you remember, uh, there's a very well-known verse in the Bible that Jesus also said when he was being tempted, but it's actually from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. It says, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Yes, we need bread. Yeah? But there's something else that we need that sustains us. And what about this in Ephesians? It says... For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which Christ prepared in advance for us to do. So why are we reading that? It's because God has prepared something for you to do. For every one of us to do. And somehow when we do it, it's food to us. Do do you know what I'm talking about? Of course, sometimes we really need to uh, rest and crash out and have a good meal. Yeah? That's like the prophet Elijah. You know, he'd just done great things for God on the top of a mountain. And then he was just... So tired out, he went and crashed. And God sent some ravens to feed him and give him a bit of a rest. Yeah, there are times when we just just need a rest. But do you know times when you're really tired? 
And then you do something and you end up sort of invigorated. It could be all sorts of things. It could be sharing the gospel with somebody, sharing about Jesus with somebody. But it could be something else. It could be helping someone out, giving them a hug. It could be if you're artistic, it could be painting a picture. And you have that feeling, wow, I've got, I've got new, new energy. And it's because you're doing what, the, what God prepared for you to do. You're doing the works of the Father. It feeds us. And so bread, the physical stuff, it's not enough for us. Yes, we need it. But our real nutrients, as Jesus said, is to finish the work that the Father has prepared. And so what do we need? We need in physical life, yeah? We need water and we need food. And so we need the water that we receive. That's, as you heard last week, God's Holy Spirit. We need our relationship with him. We need it to well up within us and give us that, that peace. But we also need nourishment. That's when we're doing the works that God has prepared for us that are not burdensome, but that give us new energy because that is what we were created to do. And when we do what we're created to do, that's when we just feel, wow. Um, so what about you? Are you drinking the living water? But what is your food? What do I mean by that? What's your food? What are the things which stir your passion? What are the works that God has prepared for you to do? Are you doing them? Do you know what they are? You know, sometimes we go around a bit tired and that, and we think we're doing too much. Maybe. And then we just need to go and rest and have some ravens feed us. But maybe we're just not doing the right things or we're doing the wrong things. Where's your passion? What's the passion God's given you? What bit of the world does God want you to change? What's he put in your heart? If you do that, you'll find real food. Um, but then, you know, we get to the bit... This amazing bit where it says that Jesus is the savior of the world. Um, they said to the woman, this is verse 42, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. This, this is amazing. I mean... We hear it all the time. Yes, Jesus is the savior of the world. We sing it all the time. But can you imagine? This is near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Has anybody said this before? If so, it's not, it's not recorded. They're, they're having this revelation. And who is saying it? It's not Jesus' disciples who were still worrying about the food. 
It's not the Jewish leaders who were still worried about whether John the Baptist or Jesus was baptizing more people and who was most popular in the religious popularity stakes. This was the Samaritans who were outcasts. They were thought to be outside the people of God. The Jews thought, we're it. And uh, within the it of the Jews, of course, they had their different groups, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the rest. And they were, the Pharisees probably thought they were it and everybody else was outside. But the Samaritans were totally outside. And here they're saying, Jesus, he is the savior of the world. They had the revelation. And they were saying, the woman was saying, me too. Even I can know Jesus. Even I can drink this living water. And what was Jesus also saying to his disciples through this? He was saying, you need a change in perspective. Because, you know, uh, before the Samaritans come running, when the disciples are talking to Jesus and they're still worried about food and all the rest, Jesus starts talking to them about the harvest. Um, verse 35, he says, don't you know? It's still, uh, don't you have a saying? He said, it's four months until the harvest. I tell you, Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and a harvest a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labor." So Jesus talks about two sayings here. But have you noticed it's as he's saying this that the Samaritans come running. I've, oh, I've missed this in this bit of the Bible before. Can you just get it? Jesus is saying, lift your eyes, look at the harvest, look at the fields. And across the fields run these people. I mean, <laughs> we maybe have to lift our spiritual eyes, but his disciples, they just had to lift their physical eyes and look. <laughs> the Samaritans were running at them. And Jesus, what's he saying? You're saying four months and then the harvest. I tell you, it's now. You're saying, oh yeah, you know, we need to sow and we need to reap. Maybe they were thinking, this is hard going. The Pharisees don't accept us and the religious leaders don't accept us and, and all this. And Jesus said, look, the Samaritans, they are coming. And it's now. And isn't that a bit like us? We need to change our perspective. Why? Because we have, we all do it, have the idea of the sort of person that will be interested in hearing about Jesus or the sort of person that will be interested in coming to church. I do that. I think, oh, this person... I can, I'm thinking of one person in particular now in Central Asia. No, she won't be interested because, you know, she's interested in her job and this and her life and she definitely won't come. Well, she did. 
Or I think of somebody, somebody else and we think, nah, they're going to think like that. And Jesus said, stop. There's a harvest and it's now. But I wonder where the harvest is. It's probably not where we think. And um, the interesting thing is, you know, that I, I was looking up on the internet to see in what country the church is growing fastest in the world. Do you, do you know what the answer is? Any idea? No? There's millions of Christians in China, actually. But it's not China. It's actually number one is Iran. <laughs> and, uh, and number two is Afghanistan. And, um, of course, the numbers, the numbers of believers in Jesus in these countries is small. But it's fast growing. It's, it's ripe to harvest. And we just need to change our perspective. Again, so great that Cheyenne was here. Because imagine you meet somebody. Imagine you meet an Iranian or somebody from a Muslim background. What do you think? We tend to think, oh, they won't want to know about Jesus. Don't, don't we think that? And yet we just heard Cheyenne's testimony. And the interesting thing is that actually Iranians throughout the whole world are coming to Jesus, be they in Iran, be they in Britain, be they anywhere else. So what can you do? You can go to Iran, of course. And maybe God's calling you to Iran. Bit difficult. Uh, you need to find a way to get in and you'll probably be watched. A lot of restrictions. You could go. Or you can go down the street and find an Iranian. <laughs> and uh, there is a harvest. There are people that God has prepared. And they want to know about Jesus and they're out there somewhere. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, lift your eyes and look. There's a harvest waiting to be harvested. But it's just not in the places that you expect. And so what do we have here? We have in this passage, you could say that it's a great revival. Except a revival actually means something that's died and comes to life again and here it was people coming to the Christ for the first time but what is it it's a whole town comes to know Jesus but it's not people that were expected and the person telling them she's not the one that you would have expected either remember we said you know she was an outcast she was a nobody. She didn't even, wasn't even sure who Jesus was. But she could just say, I met with him and he changed my life. And so I wonder where we are this morning. And, um, you know, it was an unexpected harvest and it was speedy. Will you open your eyes? Will you look at people and see what God is doing 
in their life. Because Jesus said, I do what I see the Father doing. And we already talked about the works God prepared for us. The Father is working in people's lives. But if we see it, we can be part of it. And if we don't see it, we'll just carry on. And we will be, uh, as a result, spiritually hungry, not nourished by what we could have been doing. He is the savior of the world. That means the savior of people in every country, but also the savior of all sorts of people right here, round here. Let's not put anybody off and say, no, not them. Because sometimes the most unlikely people are the ones that Jesus wants to bring to himself. Will you change a whole city? Why not? You don't know less about Jesus than the Samaritan woman. I'm sure you've heard more about her this morning than she had a chance to find out. What are the things that God has prepared for you to do? Where is your passion? And are you expecting a harvest? There is a harvest. There's a great harvest in the world today. But they're in unexpected places and unexpected countries and unexpected people are coming to know about Jesus. Will you be part of that harvest? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are the savior of the whole world with no exceptions. Lord, you are the savior. or You want to be the savior of each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to drink daily of your living water and also to do your works that you have prepared for us, that each one of us would know them and walk in them. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the harvest, to see the hearts which are open and longing to know you, you who are the Prince of Peace. Lord, lead us. Show us your plans for us. Give us your eyes, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.